Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 7. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. It'd be like somebody right now just stand up and start yelling something. Wouldn't that be crazy? We had to drag you out of here, literally. But it would be shocking. It would be startling. That's what happens. Jesus, my point is this, Jesus breaks the silence. Now, remember last week we talked about Jesus yelled. Remember that in John 7, 28? He yelled at the top of his voice in anger in John 7, 28 for ignorance. He yelled in anger because of their ignorance. He cries out, piercing the air with his voice. Here, he doesn't yell in anger. He's yelling in invitation. He yells because he wants men to hear. Verse 37, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Then two things, listen. I want you to notice about Jesus. And if you don't already know this, you should write it down. Number one, and I love this about Jesus. And let me have that verse of, is 37 is up there? Good. Leave it there for a minute, please. Two things about Jesus I want you to know. Number one, and I love this about Jesus, Jesus knows how to tell a story. I love preachers who know how to tell a story. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He knows how to tell a story. Somebody once said that Jesus was a storytelling man. And that's true. And the second thing I want to tell you about Jesus is that Jesus is the master of capturing a strategic, teachable moment. Because listen, after the praises, there would have been a, been a, a brief pause as the priests prepared to offer the sacrifices for that day. History says it was at that brief moment of pause that Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. Now watch this. Jesus grabbed the moment in a Jewish ceremony and spun it around and focused it right on himself in one second. In effect, Jesus is saying, you're thanking God for your physical water. If any of your souls thirst, here I am, come to me and drink. Jesus took the whole ceremony and used it as an illustration of who he was. Come to me for water. Jesus is saying, I am the one that quenches the thirsty soul forever. If you believe it, clap your hands and say amen. You believe it? Now listen, in verse 37, I want to show you three words that preach the gospel message. In this one verse, we have the gospel message. Three words. Got a pen? Number one, thirst. Number two, come. Number three, drink. 
thirst, come drink. There is the gospel message. Can more than one person say amen? Listen, thirst is first because fact. If you won't, you won't come if you're not thirsty. Fact. Did you know that thirst is the second strongest drive in the human body? Only second to the drive of air, the drive to breathe. That makes total sense to me. If you can't breathe, you don't have to worry about being thirsty. (laughs) I think about these things. The drive of physical thirst is even stronger than the drive for hunger. You can go much longer without food than you can without water. Water is the most important liquid in the world. Without water, there would be no life. Did you know that we have 3,200 3, brands of bottled water on the market in 130 countries in the world? Did y'all hear me? 3,200 brands of bottled Deer Park, Dasani, Vio, Aquafina. What? Blue. I'm going to get my own water. Finch. Why not? There's 3,200 brands of bottled water on the market in 130 countries. That's a lot of water. And did you know this? There's 1 billion people on our planet who don't have access to clean drinking water. Interesting. We've got so much water, and yet we're in a state of dehydration. In Jesus' day, listen, there were two types of water. If you're taking notes, you write this down. There were two types of water. There were cisterns, and there were living water. And there was living water. Cisterns. This is water that was collected in the underground reservoirs. In Jesus' day, the way to survive was by building a large cistern and channeling the water that came from the rain. And the other type of water was living water. This is flowing water, clean water, water that bubbles up out of the ground. This is the kind of water that they find in the Pool of Siloam. Now, when Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, Listen, notice he didn't say, if you're thirsty, eat some crackers. Say amen. He says, if you're thirsty, do what? Drink some water. Water is the most important liquid in the world. Did you know the abundance of water on the earth is is unique and distinguishes what they call the blue planet from from others in the solar system? Liquid water is not known to exist on any other planet. Water makes up about three-fourths of the human body. The body needs three quarts of water a day to operate efficiently. Water helps break up and soften food. The blood is 90% H2O and carries nutrients to the cells. Water acts as a cooling agent and regulates our body temperature through perspiration. Water acts like a lubricant for our joints and our muscles. And without it, your joints and your muscles would grind and creak like unused parts from some old rusty piece of machine. Nobody say amen. Water is the most important liquid in the world. And without water, there would be no life. And Jesus is saying, if you believe in me and take a drink, I am the living water for life. You can't read this and not think of John Four, the woman at the well, as Jesus came to Samaria and he found himself sitting at the well. Remember the story? 
And and this woman came out to draw water and Jesus asked for a drink. And then Jesus told her that the water that he gives, she will never thirst again. And she's thinking he's talking about Deer Park. And Jesus is talking about what? Living water. And Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water, and I'm sure as he's sitting at that well, I'm sure he's pointing down to the water that's in the well. And he's like, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give will never thirst because the water that Jesus gives is unending and never ceasing and abundant and pure and fresh and calming. And Jesus said, the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up unto eternal life or everlasting life. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a lot of thirsty people in the world, aren't there? The world won't quench your thirst with a new boyfriend. Did you hear me? The world won't quench your thirst with a new boyfriend. Travel won't quench your thirst. Fine food won't quench your thirst. Prestige won't quench your thirst. A new car won't quench your thirst. A new house won't quench your thirst. Moving in with your girlfriend or your boyfriend won't quench your thirst. Being disobedient to your parents won't quench your thirst. Parents, you need to say amen. I had to put that one in there for you. I'm trying to help y'all. Pornography won't quench your thirst. Money won't quench your thirst. Experiences will not quench your thirst. No amount of this world's crackers will quench your physical thirst. You were created by God with a yearning and a longing for fellowship with God, and only God and the Holy Spirit can satisfy and quench your thirst thirst and that's what the bible says so the question are you thirsty for god when you go without water your body gets thirsty when you go without god your soul gets thirsty we were made listen we were made to drink god We were made for God. Our bodies were made to live on water. Our souls were made to live on God. The most important thing to know about you is this. You have a soul and your soul was made to live on God. And maybe that explains why your soul is so restless and dry and thirsty. And St. Augustine said this, thou madest us for thyself. And our heart is restless until it rests in thee. C.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself a desire with no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. I love that. Someone once summed this up like this. They said the reason we experience spiritual restlessness is because we were designed to exist in a relationship with God that our primary nature and only secondary as creatures on earth. Let me read it again. The reason that we, exp- that, that we experience spiritual restlessness is because we are designed to exist in relationship with God. That is our primary nature and only secondary as creatures on earth. 
Thank you, Jesus. We're talking about three gospel, three words that preach the gospel message. Yes, thirst. Number two, come. Come. That's an action of the will. You need to move toward Christ. And you do that with your heart and your feet. If Jesus was over there and said, come here, you walk over there. Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come here where the water is. Come, come, come. The message of the Bible is come. Can somebody say amen? And then drink and then drink. Thirst. Come and drink. Drink. That means you have to appropriate Christ. That means you got to open your mouth and drink. Imagine trying to drink a glass of water with your mouth closed. You probably definitely have a problem now, wouldn't you? To receive the Holy Spirit, you got to open your heart. And then verse 39, Jesus is talking about those who believe in him would receive the Holy Spirit in seven months. You know why I'm telling you seven months? Because it's about seven months that he's going to be crucified, die, and then raise, go to heaven. And when he goes to heaven, when he ascends, the Holy Spirit descends upon the church in Acts chapter 2. So in just about seven months, the Holy Spirit is going to be given. He's not yet given. Before the Holy Spirit is going to come upon believers, Jesus has to die and go to the cross. And then ascend, and the, and, the, and, and the Holy Spirit descends upon the believers. And we're going to talk extensively about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14 and 15, so we won't belabor it right here. But Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came down, and men began to speak with other tongues. And from that point on, every single believer and every single person who receives Christ receives his Spirit. And without the Spirit of Christ, you are not born again. And, there, and the reason why I'm telling you that is because there used to be talk of people saying, are you a Christian? Or they would say, are you filled with the Spirit in two separate sentences? Listen, that is one sentence. If you are a Christian, you are filled with the Spirit. They go together. You can't be a Christian and not be filled with the Spirit. Huh? And we'll talk more about that later. This unknown author wrote this. Being filled with the fullness of God is like a bottle in the ocean. You take the cork out of the bottle and sink it in the ocean, and you have the bottle completely full of the ocean. The bottle is in the ocean, and the ocean is in the bottle. The ocean contains the bottle, but the bottle contains only a little bit of the ocean, and so it is with the Christian. Hey, don't you love that? A.W. Tozer wrote, we are filled unto the fullness of God, but of course we cannot contain all of God because God contains us. But we can have all of God that we can contain. If we only knew it, we could enlarge our vessels. The vessels get bigger as we go on with God. Don't you love that? Now in verses 41 through 53, we find four groups of people. I want you to write these down. We find four groups of people and their reactions to the claims of Christ. Number one, we have the convinced in verse 40 and the first part of verse 42. Look at verse 40. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, they said, truly, this is a prophet. Verse 42 said, others said, this is the Christ. The word Christ means the anointed one. 
the convinced ones received the truth. They took the claims and believed his claims and said truly and genuinely and honestly and for sure, this is the prophet. No doubt they don't have any doubts at all. Truly, this is the prophet. And listen, this is a reference to Deuteronomy 18.15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. So everyone was looking for the Messiah, and they were looking for a deliverer. Every morning, the Jew would pray this prayer. I believe in the coming of the Messiah, and even though he tarries, yet I will wait every coming day. So at this time, messianic expectation was at fever pitch. Not only the convinced, but the contrary. Number two. Look at verse 41 through 44, the contrary, those that are contrary to the claims of Christ, those that are saying the very antithesis of the convinced. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? These guys are saying, don't you know your Bibles? And it tells us that Christ will come from the seed of David, out of the town of Bethlehem where David was. You don't know the facts. Now listen. These guys are correct in their understanding of the prophecy. And they're incorrect in their thinking that Jesus didn't fulfill every one of them. Because simply, they don't have all the facts. Jesus was a descendant of King David. Matthew chapter 1 links Jesus legally to David through his stepfather, Joseph. Luke chapter 3 links Jesus physically to David through his mother, Mary. Jesus was actually born in Bethlehem. But listen. People who are contrary and are filled with unbelief, they're usually very satisfied in their ignorance, satisfied in their unbelief. Unbelief has their mind made up. Don't confuse me with the facts. That's how some people are. Look at verse 44. Some of those who were contrary wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Why? Because his time had not yet come as well as I believe the supernatural power of God restricted them and prevented them. And then in verses 45 through 49, we have the confused police officers. The first time we met the police was in verse 32, when they were sent to arrest Jesus. Remember last week? Jesus has caused an uproar. And actually winning people over to his side and the Pharisees got scared and they sent the police to arrest him. And those officers came back confused and wrestling with what was going on about Jesus and baffled and bewildered and confused. And the Pharisees sent the temple police to get Jesus that they might. And listen, they might as well have sent them to go get the son. Amen. They couldn't get Jesus unless Jesus wanted to get God. And they came back empty handed and they said what? Never a man spoke like this. Of all the things they could have said about this volatile situation, they said no man has ever spoke like this. We've never heard anything like this. Are you getting this? These guys are shackled by his word. They're impotent. They couldn't move, bewildered, befuddled, confused. Keep in mind, the last thing these empty-handed officers heard Jesus speak is, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. They understood Jesus to say, come to him and drink if you want eternal life. 
that's the last thing they heard him say. So they go back to the Pharisees and say, we never heard anything like this before. They didn't know what to do. The Jews picked up on their indecision. And they said, are you deceived as well? Or have you gone along with the crowd? Or you haven't gone along with them, have you? In other words, the crowd is the common people who don't know anything. We're the ones who decide. The stupid, ignorant, cursed people know zero. And then look at it finally, the contemplative in verse 50 through 53. The contemplative, what's his name? Nicodemus, you got it. He's a contemplative one. John chapter 3, you remember John 3? Nicodemus came to Jesus that night, remember? Should I do it? Nick at night. He said, Jesus, we know you're a teacher come from God because nobody can do the things you do except the Holy Spirit is with him. And Jesus said, you must be born again. And the Holy Spirit has already been working on Nicodemus for four chapters. And he's been contemplating and mulling over the truth. And you know what happens when somebody is searching for the truth? They find it. John 7, 17, if any man wills to do his will, he shall know the doctrine. Nicodemus in verse 51, look at it, said, does our Lord judge a man before it hears him? In other words, Nicodemus says, let's do our research and let's at least listen to what he says and see what he does. In other words, let's give Jesus a chance. They said, "Uh, you're just biased because he's a Galilean and so are you. In verse 53, is actually a sad verse because it says, every man went to his own house. And again, the reason I tell you it's a sad verse because there are those who still have made no decision for Christ, even in the face of his claims, even in the face of, of evidence, even in the face of fact. You know, there are some people like that, aren't there? You can give them the facts, and they're like, don't confuse me with the facts. I've made up my mind. But they don't realize that even though, listen, even though an individual walks away and they, in their mind, have not made a decision to follow Christ, they have made a decision to follow Christ or not to follow Christ. Because in your indecision, there is decision. Say amen. This is one thing. I've been telling y'all this for weeks. I've been telling you for weeks. This is the thing that separates Jesus from every other world religion is the fact that Jesus brings people to the place of decision. What will you do with this man called Jesus? This is the most important. I was sitting in my office on Friday and I'm reading this story. Don't know why I'm reading that story for this story. And I'm thinking, that's the most important question ever asked. What will you do with this man called Jesus? Because Jesus does not leave an individual to a place of complacency and neutrality. Say amen. Amen. You either for him or against him. And Jesus said, if you are thirsty, then come to him and drink. He did not tell you if you are thirsty, go eat some crackers. 
Because if you eat some crackers, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get more thirsty. He said, if you're thirsty, come to me. And I'll give you water. That you'll never thirst again. Same message. Different phraseology from John chapter 4. Same message to the woman at the well. Same message here. If you're thirsty, come to me. Only this time, Jesus grabbed a moment. I love it. He grabbed a moment of silence and yelled out. And not yelling in anger, yelling in invitation. Thirst. Verse 37. Come and drink. Therein, my friends, is the gospel message. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293-0923 that's 1-800-293-0923 you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org we would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed until next time may you be salt and light.